to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself literature adds to reality it does not simply describe it, and it enriches the necessary competencies that daily life requires and provides, and in this respect, it irrigates the deserts that our lives have already become. C.S. Lewis Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be the Story World Charity, a top nonprofit but honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be the Story World wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. That's www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure you listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on the Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Hello, I'm Kirthi, your host for this show today. Before we start the program, we want to announce that Be The Story World Charities entering the metaverse. By purchasing an NFT from www.starlestylecommunity.com, you will be donating to Be The Story World. Each NFT is based on a character from Cynthia Bryan's new children's book, No Barnyard Bullies, illustrated by Jensen Russell. These NFTs are like baseball trading cards of yore. Check out the roadmap for upcoming events just for Star Style community members, where, exclu- where exclusive experiences are part of the package. It's going to be super fun. Jump into the metaverse and buy our NFTs at www.starstylecommunity.com. Oh, what a woe. The holidays have come to an end, and we are subjected back to the exceedingly monotonous, excruciatingly stoic, terrible, terrible thing we call January. Technically, January started two shows ago, but whatever. School has started back again for me, so whoopee. As a late New Year's present, and also as an apology for all of those weeks gone without nerd extraordinaire, there will be a... Dun, 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 double note extraordinaire. In the second segment, I will be talking about my favorite classic literature and my favorite literary classics. In the third segment, I will talk about the importance of creativity in debate with note extraordinaire. And right now, we have note extraordinaire by British Kirthy. 
Okay, who keeps on inviting her? Salutations from your favorite natic Sordana. Welcome to my... Ugh, do I have to? Fine. Mine and Kathy's segment, Natic Sordana, where youth debaters and fiction writers unite. You know, that kind of sounds like a slogan. I should, I should copyright that. Hey, I made that. It's mine to copyright. And you don't even have... You don't even copyright slogans, you trademark them. So it's my slogan to trademark. This is my segment, Kathy. Stop taking away my spotlight. After all, I was destined to be in the spotlight. You weren't, mate. So shush. No, no, I don't care. You go along claiming my segment as voice, copywriting slogans. I don't care. Harumph. Anyway, I went to Luxembourg. Again. This time for the release of the next installment in the Harry Potter series. I star as Girl Mighty Granger, and I must say, I am fabulous. My assistant Thackeray is currently working on his next stack of giant poker cards. He's also given me a recipe from his great, 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 great grandfather's sister, son's dog's friend's chicken's nephew. Considering the fact that the previous recipe was for beet salad, I expected this new recipe to be slightly more, I don't know, slightly more edible. It's clear that I was, I was mistaken. This one was for an eggplant flavored baguette. Now why would one want to make an eggplant flavored baguette? Why would one even want to eat an eggplant flavored baguette? I haven't the foggiest. One of the ingredients was the eye of a slug. Do slugs even have eyes? I don't know. It's also required for you to sat to satanize, to satanize the room before baking the baguette. Not sanitize, but satanize. I think that I should stop asking for recipes from Thackeray. They really are the strangest things. Anyway, today's show is all about classic literature. You know it's also literature. You know. You know? Ugh. I am a star. I do not deserve to be all alone. So alone. Oh, what a despair. How sad. Literature means writing, fiction writing, story writing, novel writing, writing writing. You know what's also about fiction writing? You know? Hello? It's not extraordinary. It's about fiction writing. Come on, can't I have a live audience? I manifest my starriness when I have an audience watching me perform live. Where's the live audience? Where? That's right, nowhere. I am disrespected like this. How disastrous. Anyway, classic literature is equal to fiction writing written by really, really, really old writers. Since my very annoying alter ego will be taking We'll be talking about classic literature. I will be talking about how you can incorporate that into your fiction writing. AKA, this means that today is a fiction writing episode. Oh, wait. Today's a fiction writing... Well, technically, today is a fiction writing and debate episode. Because it's double net extraordinaire. Because the first segment is net extraordinaire. And the third segment is also net extraordinaire. Hmm. Oh, well. I guess that this is a fiction writing segment, then. I guess so. Since I don't have the very much needed live audience, I think that I should stop asking these unintentionally rhetorical questions. They're not meant to be not answered to, but they are, because I don't have a live audience. Seriously, all of my problems would be solved if I had a live audience cheering for me in the background while I heroically present my monologue on classic literature. 
even though this isn't exactly heroic, but it, but it would be if I had a live audience. Seriously, I just need a live audience. That's all I'm asking for. Wow, I successfully spent all of this time talking about myself and saying absolutely nothing about classic literature. Let's go on to the actual point of this heroic monologue speech, explanation, whatever you want to call it. So, classic literature. The object of everyone's despair in school. When you go to your English class and they tell you to read this excruciatingly meaningless, tedious, and way too big stack of paper they call a book. A fiction book is supposed to entertain, so why a classic novel so long and boring? First of all, the one thing that makes classic literature distinctive amidst the world of books is that they convey a message intertwined through the words of the book. To say it in a less fancy way, they convey a hidden theme that says something about life, people, or just the universe in general. So not only are they for entertainment, but saying something about the world they live in, something about the environment around them that fascinates them, something that needs to be brought to light, or something completely random. And they convey this through, the, through a story which will entertain you. One thing I've realized about the classics that are really hard to understand and really boring is that they are the ones that are the most expressive. And they also don't really have a very satisfying ending. A lot of them are very underwhelming and anticlimactic endings, and most of those endings are very depressing. It doesn't really end happily ever after, as you'd expect from a book. That is exactly why classic books are so popular and so unique. Because the story is not the star? I am! Oh wait, no I'm not. Sorry, I'm just barely used to calling myself the star. I profusely apologize for that. Wow, if that doesn't say something about you, I don't know what does. Ugh, go away, Kathy. Anyway, the story is not the star of the book. The theme is. In the end, the author is not trying to tell you that these people ended happily ever after. They are trying to convey the message, so the story can seem to be incomplete, with no visible difference from the beginning, because the story doesn't need to be complete. The theme does. If that makes any sense. Am I making sense? Of course I am. I always make sense. I'm British Kathy, the star, a Luxembourgian actress, star, whatever you want to call it. Let's take Animal Farm by George Orwell as an example of this. Mr. Orwell is a fellow Brit of mine. I'm sure he was as awesome as me. Wow, if he was alive now and you said that to him, I think he'd look, at the, look up at the sky and say, What have I done with my life to be as terrible as this arrogant, big-headed person they call a British Kathy? Okay, you need to shoot, Kathy. George Orwell should be grateful to receive such an honor. Anyway, back to Animal Farm. It's the story of the Russian Revolution, but all of the characters are animals taking over a farm instead of the common folk taking over the Russian soil. Long story short, Stalin's a pig, and Christianity has somehow turned into a Latin. If you aren't familiar with the Russian Revolution, and you're very confused right now, Animal Farm is a great read to, to fix your confusion, obviously. It's basically about the animals of a farm, taking over the mean human farmer guy who was cruel to them, and they promised to never treat each other like how the mean farmer treated them. But in the end, Napoleon the pig, aka Stalin, takes over and turns into a com communist society, but he eventually treats all of the other animals just as meanly as the mean farmer did. 
and at the end, all the pigs turn into humans. I'm not sure if they literally turn into humans, or like metaphorically turn into humans, but humans are the villains, and then pigs slowly morph into the villains, if that makes any sense. Now, this is a very depressing ending. Why would the author write a book with a depressing ending? Because he wanted to show the real horrors of the Russian Revolution to people who didn't understand it. See? Theme is the star, aka me, and the story is the background character in the who's just there for no reason, aka Kirthy. Hey, I'm not a background character. Yes, you are, Kirthy. So, another thing I realized about classics is that the majority of the main characters are either always very eccentric and different, very interesting to read, or they're just giant slabs of cardboard with faces slapped onto them. Basically, they have absolutely no personality at all. Either they're the most interesting characters in the world, or they're the most boring characters in the world. Sometimes they're both. That's the real magic of classics. Sometimes the main character is just a pair of eyes that helps you see the theme of the story. Even if the main character is, even if the main character is interesting, the interesting mindset helps you see the plot. For example, let's talk about The Goldfinch by Donna Tart, my and Kiati's favorite book of all time. Even though I've already talked about this book, and and even though I, I, I will be talking about it soon, let's talk about it again, because this is a perfect example of this. And yes, it's a classic, even though it's not that old, published in 2013. The main character is basically a very, very unlikable slab of wood. If you met him on the street, you would think that he's the most boring person in the world. And he's also really unlikable. So why would the author make a main character like this? Because even though he has a very bland personality, he, he thinks. And no, I do not mean that he read a book once. He actually thinks, as in he has an interesting view of life. He has an interesting perspective, which helps the author convey the message that they're trying to intertwine in this novel. And the author uses him to express the message that she's trying to communicate. And in this case, it's that art is more than painting on a canvas. And the main character sees and cares for art pieces like the living things. Another example is the two main characters of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Casey. One main character is the narrator, and mostly he's in the sidelines, but the main main character is a dude named McMurphy. Now, we're not going to talk about McMurphy now, because he's not very relevant to what we're talking about. We're going to talk about the narrator, who is named Chief Brumden. Brumden is a mental asylum patient with schizophrenia, so you can tell that tell by that how the author utilizes his point of view. If you don't know, schizophrenia is like a mental illness where you see basically illusions, see things that other people don't. So Chief Bondon is literally seeing like all of these people who fit into society as robots and he literally sees the whole world as a ginormous machine. That And that conveys the theme of how the author thinks that the society is just one giant machine and that we are all the cogs in the machine and the controller of the machine is basically all of authority. So Chief Bromden literally sees this but the author is conveying this to us that that life is actually like that metaphorically. So at the even at the beginning of the book like the author kind of says that like like even if it's I, I forgot the exact same like lines but it's something along the lines of, 
even if it's not true, it's the truth. Like, it's it, the kind of saying that even though, like, the world is not one big machine, it, it, it works like that. It, the society is like one big machine. So that's, that's another way to utilize these interesting perspectives to communicate a message. So that's pretty deep, huh? That's the beauty of classic literature. Put on your, your, your philosophical, philosophical hats and soar through the world with your classic writing skills. Okay, where are the questions? See, all of my problems would just go away if I had a live audience. All of them. Wow! Thank you, British Cuthie. That was, that was incredibly long. I give you a segment to yourself and you make it a million years long. And seriously, who keeps on letting her in? Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where I will be talking more about classic literature. We want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions, so email us at btsy18radio at gmail.com. That's btsy18radio at gmail.com. Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at www.bethestoryworld.org. You can get involved with Be The Story World charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, sign up for our free newsletter, and make a donation to Be The Story World. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestaryouare.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestaryouare.org. Be the lucky star you
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Salutations and welcome back to Express Yourself. Today's show is all about classic literature, and right now, we have me, Tihi. Ooh, I'm so excited. This is the first time I've ever been in the second segment all by myself. Ooh. So, today's show is all about classic literature, which is awesome. I hope you guys weren't bored doing British Kirthi's ridiculously long first segment. But let's be honest, British Kirthi is probably the worst. I profusely apologize on behalf of British Kirthi for her annoyingness. She's very annoying, and obnoxious, and irritating, and irritating. Anyway, in this second segment, I'm going to talk about the best classic literature according to me. Now, before we move on, I'm just going to say that classic literature is not to be confused with classical literature. Those are two completely different things. Classical literature is stuff, it's, it's like the ancient stuff, basically Greek and Latin literature, like like the Iliad, like the Odyssey, stuff like that. So I'm not I'm not really talking about that. Yes, I will mention the Odyssey later in this show, but I'm not talking about classical literature. Classical literature, I think it's like a part of classic literature in general, but I'm talking about classic literature. So yeah, you're going to find stuff from like 2013 here. So yeah. And I it's it's come to me that people don't like classic literature. They think that classic literature is boring. That's, that is blasphemous, pure law, quintessence of blaspheme. What has humanity become? What is existence? Basically, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna talk about the best classic literature, according to me and the world. Basically, a literary analysis of the best literary classics. Literally, literally, literally. Is that even a word anymore? Even if you don't like these novels, I'll still say that they're the best because I'm an intellectual like that. Even if your first boiling child, Grumpy the Gnome, doesn't like these novels, I'll still say that they're the best. Even if I don't like these novels, I'll still say that they're the best. It's more like an averaged out thingamajig, the best classics according to the world. So, so, some of these I might not like, but some of these I will still recommend, because you might like them. You might. You, you might. I don't know. You might. So, this segment, and, and the whole show, really, is to show you a group of allegedly vulnerable and desperately bored children who are in dire need of my help. The brilliance of literary classics. Now, most people our age don't really like literary classics. You know, teenagers, they, they find them boring and monotonous and way too old. Now, I'm here to show you that that is wrong. So, here are some classics that are actually wonderful books if you looked a little closer past the boiling, boiling Victorian language. To the shinies! I mean, books! Mwahahaha! <laughs> First up, there's Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. This was published like 210 years ago. So that's, that's in the 19th century. Yee, that is an old book. Precisely why it's called a classic. 
Now, this is a romance novel, and I kind of sort of hate romance, so I'm not going to elaborate a whole lot on the plot, but if you like that sort of stuff, this is a great read. Again, not all of these books, I'm, I'm not going to like all of these books, but you might like them. I know a lot of people do like Pride and Prejudice. The philosophy behind it is kind of, it's very, it's a very flowery, very complicated, very old, and very discreet way of saying don't judge people by first impressions. That's all I'm going to say. To the next Chinese, sorry, to the next book. I don't know why I keep on calling them Chinese. Next up, those To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. This was published maybe like 60-ish years ago, so it's not as old. This is a novel analyzing the racial wrongs of the Deep South during the Great Depression. Speaking of the Great Depression, here's another classic that's also about it. The Grapes of Wrath by John Stein Steinbeck. 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 I like cheese. Wait, what? How did I get to that? Anyway, it's only two years younger than To Kill a Mockingbird. The, gla the Grapes of Wrath is about a family who was affected by the Oklahoma Dust Bowl, and they decide to walk to California because that's the only way they can move to California. Think about that for a second. They walk from Oklahoma to California. Oklahoma, California. California is on the West Coast. Oklahoma's way out there past Texas. They walk, literally, across the country. One thing that I've noticed about classics is that they're all very depressing. And one depressing part of this book is that their lives do not improve after they move to California. They literally walk across the country to move to a better life, and they don't get that better life. How depressing. Maybe that's why classic writers like writing about the Great Depression, because, well, I mean, it's, it's depressing. The Great Depression? Depressing. You see what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a depression. It's depressing. You see? You see? Okay, why is my only company British Kiersey? I told you, we just need a live audience and all of our problems will be solved. Go away, British Kiersey. Anyway, the next one is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. This, you guys should know, published in 1950, it's, it's about, well, it's about a lion, a witch, and a wardrobe. Narnia and talking trees and talking lions and stuff. This is self-explanatory. To the next shiny, sorry, book. Next is A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway, published in 1929. This is about World War I. More depressing historical novels, yay! This one has an especially depressing ending. It's about an American guy who happened to be in Italy while they were recruiting soldiers for the Italian army, and he got stuck being an ambulance driver in the First World War. Okay, I'm just going to spoil it, because it's so depressing and I have to share it. So cover your ears if you don't want to hear the spoiler. In the end, everyone dies and the main character is just walking, walking home in the way. Happy. So happy. Happy, isn't it? I just couldn't resist including the next shiny. I mean, book. Even though British Kirthi and I have mentioned this book like a million times, I'm going to include it again. I literally, I mean, British Kirthi literally mentioned it in the first segment and it's our favorite book of all time that's probably why we talk about it so much is so in case you missed the first segment it's the goldfinch by donna tart this was published in 2013 so it's a modern classic so it's not that old it's not old at all actually it's only like 10 years old maybe 
Yay! It's about a boy who accidentally steals a $300 million painting. It's also pretty depressing. Yay. Last, the oldest, and most definitely not least, is The Odyssey by Homer. This might be one of the oldest classics ever. Like, technically it's a ginormous poem, but it's novel length. It was published, written, I don't know how to describe it. It was, it's, it's from the 7th or 8th century BC. Yee, that's old. So, basically, a Greek hero, Odysseus, is missing, and the island of Ithaca is falling apart without, without him. And one day, he comes back and tells his story. And he, he basically tells of all of his adventures, and this is where a lot of the Greek mythological creatures came from like the cyclops the cyclops in the cave and and if you guys ever read pussy jackson you know like the part i think it was the third book where like annabeth's like hello it's me again my name is nobody that nobody is actually odysseus so yeah it's very old and it's technically a greek myth and it wasn't it well it wasn't really written by homer literally on paper it was probably passed down by spoken language. And Homer was also blind, which is a fun fact. And there's also a blind, wise, all-knowing character in the Odyssey, too. So some people speculate that that is supposed to be a reflection of Homer himself. And obviously, it was originally written in Greek. But you can read the English translated version. It's it's pretty violent and pretty... and lots lots of carnage. But I think people would like it. I, I liked it. And at the end, he and his son, Telemachus, kill all of the mean guy, mean bad guys, who wanted to take Odysseus's place. Even though these are some of my favorites, there is, like, a portrait of the artist as a young man, the secret history, the capture in the lie, and a whole lot more classics. Like, there are so many classics, and these are just a few of them. So even if they seem lame and boring, they're actually great. I encourage you guys to look into these and many more, because because teens, teenagers normally don't. But I think that if you look a little bit closer, you can find a little bit of that classic magic in there. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this segment. Make sure to visit our website at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and make a donation to BTSYA. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can express yourself. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Be the star you are. 
light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. Today's show is all about classic literature and literary classics. So, first up, well not first up, this is technically the last segment. So, last up I guess? Last up we have me. Again, because it's, it's this whole show, it's just a whole, it's a ginormous pile of Kirsty. So hi, my name's Kirsty, if you didn't know that. I'm your host for today's show. <laughs> Salutations and welcome back to Nerd Extraordinary. We'll use debaters and writers unite. This is just a short and sweet segment to end the show, and this is all about creativity in debate. You know what classics require? Debate. Wait, what? Who said that? Not me. Not not debate, but creativity. That's why they're so successful, and that's why they leave such an influence and legacy behind. Because they stand out. They're so unique that even people in future generations, in future centuries even for some of these classics, in future centuries, they still appreciate this author's work. Like, they have to be such a trailblazer to be remembered for this long. And the secret to that is creativity. This is kind of like a half-fiction writing and half-debate nerd extraordinaire segment, because the show is kind of all creative writing-y kind of stuff. Creativity can play a positive role in debate by allowing debaters to think outside of the box and come up with unique and persuasive arguments. It can also help debaters find new and innovative ways to present their ideas and counter the opponent's arguments. Additionally, creativity can also help debaters to think on their feet and come up with effective responses in real time during a debate. So, creativity is is pretty useful for debate. Like, because debate, it's all about your ability to argue on the spot. It's all about your ability to respond, respond to something. It's your ability to vouch for something, and it also assesses your ability to go against something, to argue against something. And debate has a lot of spontaneous stuff, even though, like, those cases and stuff like that, like pre-written speeches, stuff like rebuttals that you, especially the arguments, like that you're arguing against your 
opponent for. Basically, those just that require a whole lot of creativity. Like, when, the first thing when you think of creativity, it's probably not debate. Because de debate is very based on facts and logic and st statistics and evidence. But, but there's more to debate than that. It's the actual art of debating. Like, like, at first glance, it just seems like a bunch of evidence and words. And, but, but really, it's actually, you have to use your imagination, kind of. It, it, it's not in a very, very known way. But creativity is how, is also the secret to debate, surprisingly. So, who knew there was this much in common with create, creative writing and debate? On the other hand, too much creativity in debates can make arguments harder to follow and less credible. Debates are often back based on facts and logic, so it's important for debaters to stay within the bounds of reason while making an argument. Striking a balance between using creativity and sticking to facts is important for any debater. In debates, creativity can be used in a number of ways to strengthen arguments and make them more persuasive. For example, debaters can use creative analogies and metaphors to explain complex ideas in a way that is easy for the audience, aka in a way that is easy for the opponent and also for the judge to understand. They can also use creative storytelling techniques to make their arguments more engaging and memorable and also more unique. You know, unique being unique is always good in debate. You know, you want you don't want like some some debates I've went to like it's just a bunch of different teams saying the same thing over and over again. Even if they're completely separate debates, but even but they're arguing for the same resolution, everyone comes up with the exact same things. So so if a judge sees some someone do something unique, then they then I think that'll really make you, you memorable as a debater and as a storyteller too. So, so being unique, creativity can give you this uniqueness that this kind of magical uniqueness that that can make that can kind of enhance your debate skills. Creativity can also be used to come up with unique solutions to problems, which can be especially effective in policy debates. Additionally, debaters can use creativity to find new and unexpected ways to refute their opponent's arguments by highlighting flaws or inconsistencies in their reasoning. Now that's that's very very complicated, kind of, to, to actually utilize this creativity. It's it's kind of hard. Creativity is hard. And that should be a known thing. Creativity is something very hard to have. You know, it's very hard to come up with something unique that's not common because something that is common is something that the common person would think. And you are an average person. You are a common person. You're a person. So you would inherently think the stuff that other people think. So creativity creativity can be hard to do, but it can actually be really useful once you develop it. And you know what's a great way to develop creativity? Reading classic literature. Classic literature is like a giant minefield for creativity. Because that's what makes them up. That's what makes them so, so wonderful. That's what makes them a classic. Like, classic doesn't really mean just old. Like, there are modern classics, too. And there are some relatively new classics. I mean, you if you, if you write a really good book and publish it right now, I mean, it could, it could be. 
uh, possibly it could be considered as a classic, even though it was published literally right now. So it so classic doesn't really it doesn't really it's not only regarding the age of the book and it's more regarding the uniqueness of it the legacy it leaves behind so the secret to that is is being interesting is being unique and is being creative so if you read classic books i think that you can definitely definitely enhance your debate skills especially if you're a student debater and you know when your mindset is kind of in that learning mindset like if you if you use creativity utilize creativity in your debates you can really go far another important aspect to consider is that debates are often designed to test skills of critical thinking analysis and persuasive communication would be expected from any from all debaters to be precise accurate and factual in their arguments instead of being only creative that's why striking a balance between being creative and being precise is important for any debater Creative writing and debate share some similarities in that they both involve the use of language to express ideas and persuade others. However, there are also some key differences between the two. In creative writing, the goal is to create a work of fiction or poetry that entertains or moves the reader. So basically, it's, it's a story. It's supposed to entertain you and move you. Move you means, aka it means, what British Cuthy said in the first segment. Also, British Cuthie also said that that they kind of intertwine a theme in classic books. People kind of intertwine a theme to make the classic books so special. And the story isn't really as important as the theme. So this kind of applies to creative writing in general, I think. Some some things, you know, the only some creative writing is only to entertain, but mostly creative writing should should communicate some type of message. One debate also also communicates some type of message. I encourage you not to think about the compare and contrast creative writing and debate too much because because once you start thinking more and more about them, the line between them starts to blur. You start your mind will be all juggled up like it's as if someone stuck stuck their hand inside your brain and messed it all up messed all of those pink noodles up. So don't think about it too much. In creative writing, the writer has a lot of freedom to use their imagination to, and to create characters, settings, and plots that are not bound by the rules of reality. In contrast, debate is a form of discourse in which participants argue for or against a particular proposition or point of view, using logic and evidence to support the position. Yes, there are a few differences between them, but but even though, like, they both kind of do the same thing. They both want to communicate a message. But debate, it's kind of a little bit more straightforward, which is why you shouldn't use too much creativity in debate. Then it'll be more like you're reading out a giant story instead of arguing for something. And actually, if you're interested, if you, if you make your debate cases way too creative, I would recommend to you a speech and debate event called prose interpretation it's it's normally called prose something i've heard it called prose interpretation but um it's it's called prose something in debate tournaments and it's actually a really fun debate event it's not debate it's actually speech so you basically have to read out a piece of prose written by someone else 
and you have to read it out in your own unique way. So if you like creativity and if you like debate, that's a great thing to do too. Creative writing can be helpful for debaters because it can help them improve their language skills and to think more creatively. Create creativity, creatively. I don't even know the difference between those two words. Is creative even a word anymore? Okay, what was I talking about? I was talking about creativity. For example, learning how to use figurative language and other literary devices can make their arguments more interesting and engaging. On the other hand, debate can also be helpful for creative writers, as it teaches them how to construct logical, well-supported arguments and think critically about the evidence. You can even, in a way, in a weird way, you can even, not, not only by creative writing, but you can even uh, develop creativity by debate. You see, see, my brain's getting all boggled up again. This is why I encourage you not to think about this too much. The ability to use persuasive language and to think critically are skills that are valuable in both creative writing and debate, so developing one can improve the other. Put on your glasses of debate and rebuttal hats and soar through your tournaments with creative writing skills that come from classic literature. We are out of time for today's show, unfortunately. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestaryouare.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. And we, we, at, we at Express Yourself really encourage you guys as teens to look into classic literature because it can be a very profound experience. It can develop your creative writing skills and it can actually be actually send you some really philosophical, really deep messages that you haven't realized before. And it can even help you improve your debate skills. So always remember to, to speak up and speak out and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself